Hello and welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast with the SETI and the Greggy to pick the best movie for any given year. I am your host, Greggy. We, of course, are doing 1997 this season, and the movie we're doing is Contact. Let me introduce my good friends, starting with my best friend, Ryan. How you doing today? I am doing so good, and I'm not tired at all. No. I, I have not slept since the first time I won on this best friend stretch. Wow. It's totally fine. Uh, I love the list of chores that you give me all of the time. Right. You know what? You get a point just for that level of commitment. Also, here is Mike. Hi, I am uh, here to win, here to be a best friend for the first time in a while. And <laughs> I would like more chores. I would never passive aggressively complain about some chores. Oh, oh, well then. Mike. Gotta give a point to Mike. Loving the chores. Taylor, sound off. Where do you fit on this spectrum of chores, no chores? What's up, guys? As an energy being from Vega, I do not care for chores because they are so easy for me. That is very topical. <laughs> This seems a little unfair that a vegan is here on the show to talk about this movie. (laughs) Were you guys surprised when the alien and the end was not wearing that mask from Street Fighter 2, which we normally associate with Vega? Never jumping on walls? No, didn't have the claw thing? What are we doing? (laughs) I just painted it on my TV on top of David Morse's face. First off, I have to ask everybody, do you have any sort of history with the movie Contact? I do a little bit because uh, the drag queen Katya, okay, uh, is this obs- is already a very Taylor comment. Yes. <laughs> is is obsessed with this movie and okay. references it a lot. So uh, I watched it because of her, uh-huh. because I like met her and she kept referencing Contact. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So okay, I wa- so she does it like in her personal life, in, as in well. personal life too, like as a thing. <laughs> uh, how, how does she naturally inject Contact in the? Can you give us an example, Taylor? Like, like you, you will be talking about like your father, and she'll be like, "Was your father a CGI recreation on a beach?" Wow. That, okay, so that's in. That's like a lot. That's a lot of references. Then, so yeah. she just looked at everything through that like contact lens. It's, <laughs> oh, very good. I quit. I'm done. I'm very done. Very good. That's very similar. How about you, other two bozos? Uh, I've seen Arrival. That's about the history I have with Contact. The Arrival, of course, is the sequel to Contact. Uh, <laughs> what happens after the aliens come to hang out a little bit. I saw it in theaters, and it was so long ago that I just assumed it would be all new. And I can't believe how much I remembered. Yeah. And I can't believe how much I like should have been thinking about this movie more and all of the batshit bananas that is this fucking movie okay yeah nothing about this movie that like happened in it surprised me i saw it in 97 and my memory from that time is clear uh but i just guess i didn't realize all the weird references to like religion and stuff oh it's a whole lot how weird like a lot of the characters are this is not a normal movie where normal things happen that's what being a kid is is that like you watched it and you didn't catch the religion stuff and then you watch it (laughs) as an adult and you're like how fucking dumb was i when i was a kid (laughs) here's the thing i watched this movie for the first time like two years ago like a year and a half two years ago Uh so i remembered all the weird stuff and when you guys during the bracket were just talking about it like a very normal serious movie yeah i was a little confused that's the thing is that uh for a movie like this uh like when you're watching it it gives off this feeling that it's either this way under budget crazy director movie Uh or like a foreign movie that Mm -hmm. uh, they just have like different things that they do when they make a movie Uh for this to be a big time studio big budget movie was crazy I am so glad that we are talking about it. Yes. I think it's going to make it I think an it's interesting d- conversation. It deserves to be talked about. Because, the yeah, time jumps has, alone. 
On what? The time jumps alone. There's so many time jumps. More oh, yeah. than any movie should ever have. <laughs> and not always clearly signaled. Mm-mm, Sometimes nope. just like you're like halfway through a conversation. You're like, oh, wait, is this like three years later? <laughs> like for a, a big one is that little girl is supposed to be the same character as Dr. Ellie Arroway. Oh, that's what? why they both do their hair. The hands of the hair thing. Okay. That, and they both have that thing where they run weird. Oh. That's because it's the same person. She, uh, that's totally normal running. And that's <laughs> how we should all run. They very clearly told that little girl in that scene where she had to run, like, we can't back up as quick as you can run. So yep. she has a lot of up and down motion in her running. She could have easily caught that camera at any point. Oh, but that shot is so fucking good. No, it historically, good... Jenna Malone sucks at running, so they just have to build <laughs> it in. Yeah, and I had forgotten that that little girl yep. was Jenna Malone. Yep, famously from Neon Demon, the <laughs> most famous thing that she has been in. And here That's she the is, the, the foster about. child. <laughs> God damn it. God damn it. Well... I can tell we are all raring to talk about contact, so there's no more important thing we could do than take a little side trip to Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore! Confession time, you guys. I try to play it off every week like I know what Mount Rushmore is, and I give a completely plausible definition for what it is. I have never known, and I've been too embarrassed to look it up, so I finally did and found out it is an art installation appearing only in Taylor's bedroom at night, and he won't (laughs) let anybody see it. Well, it's not spooky in the day. No. So you have to go look (laughs) at it at night. Dude, if you want to get spooked out by some big stone head. Well, Taylor, though, is said it's time for a little bit of a renovation, and he wants to see, he wants to replace the heads, which had been... If I remember, the hot girls of 97, he wants to replace it with just 97 babies. Taylor, is that too many babies? No, that's, I think it's actually one fewer than the babies that it should be. <laughs> you want it, you would like there to be 98 babies? I'd like 98 babies, because then if I had if one less, and it's 97 babies, and that's not enough. One more, 99 babies. I got so many problems, and babies are all of them. 99 babies in stone on the wall. 99 <laughs> babies in stone. All right. Fun and games aside. Let's get those aside. Yeah, let's push those right to the side, and let's only deliver the serious content that we are here to give. It's actually people who were born in 1997. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So they should have been born in 1997 and now have raised to some sort of prominence. Some of them have their own babies. Babies. That's crazy. Babies making babies. The, The fact that, like, I understand 1997 was an amount of time ago. Yeah. But the fact that people could have been born then and are people that people know, astounding to me. That is a little weird, right? Like if someone says to you, "My, I was born in 1997, like part of you wants to get sick, right? Mm-hmm. Like yes. that doesn't You're five. Seem- yeah. <laughs> How are you so articulate at five? <laughs> Why am I hanging out with a five-year-old? Not again. Um, Ryan, you are the champion. You are the best friend. You're famous for saying... Daddy, don't go. Greg, I just don't want you to leave. (laughs) Calling me daddy, part of the best friend privileges. You don't have to utilize that if you don't want to, but you can. Who do you have as a baby of 97? Well, I think there's only one. Like, I guess really? We can that's, fi- that's so false. That's we- it, very improbable. <laughs> there has yeah. to be four. This is the year. Uh, <laughs> and we could talk about other three. Or Baby we can Diego. Just, maybe we can just make her four. But uh, Kylie Jenner is yeah. a mogul. Yeah. Is uh, like a billionaire, right? She, uh, is a, she has $1 billion. But, but to and say. And she stopped. Once she made the billion, she stopped making money. 
But I have to say, she's got enough. Do we really need her to have the mountain? I, I think I'm that just she, saying. the only <laughs> thing that money is worth having is to get your head on a fucking mountain. Here's my big fear if Word. we don't put her on the mountain. She buys a competing mountain, right? And draws all the attention to that. So yeah, that's it's a possibility. I think we're gonna have to put her right. What? Okay. Why does she have a billion dollars? Makeup. Okay. She's for the self-made. Makeup? Yeah. She's the youngest self-made billionaire. Okay. Aside from the snark about whether or not uh, this young woman deserves the the lot it the what like what did she really do to be, to get the billion dollars? It, it's her makeup line. Is she a, she's, a billion dollars of makeup? Well, a she's a model, so people love her anyway. She's an Instagram influencer, which she gets a bunch of money from, okay. and then her makeup line is the thing that pushed her. Above and beyond the others. Into the bail Okay, well, the, she's going up on the mountain a uh, billion dollars. Yep. Does she have, like, one of those John Hurt uh, little airplanes, the Hurt Locker, I think he calls it, just <laughs> flying all the time? She says, why build one mascara when you could build two at twice the price? <laughs> That's makeup, right? Yeah. That is makeup. Mike. Yes. Do you I... know any of these 97 babies? I think just as influential and big across... Coast to coast America as Kylie Jenner is uh, the very talented actress we've seen grow up and only get more talented as Chloe Grace Moretz, young hit girl herself. Okay. She was hit girl. Did we watch her get more talented? <laughs> yeah. She was hit girl. She was and in it, other movies. Is she more famous now? I remember she was on 30 Rock, right? Yeah, she was yeah, Jack she Donaghy's was... niece or something. A, a rival. Yeah. But also maybe his niece. But yeah, like his chiefest rival. Oh, your rival should always be your niece. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't stop till they're dead. It's like this 15-year-old girl who outsmarts him constantly. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put her on the maybe pile. Sure. She's one of my maybe babies. Uh, I just want to see what else is out there as I'm, I'm selecting from the babies of 97. I don't know if she has, like, you know, you hear Kylie Jenner. I don't know if Chloe beats Moretz is like the yeah. next... The next name you jump to there. Taylor, what could be the next name I jumped to? Oh, one that I cannot believe that Mike just passed over like a fool. It's uh, one Malala. Whoa, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Malala was born in 1997. Malala, famous, like, Afghani, like, yes, like fighting Af- the Taliban, insisting on schooling, getting shot in the head. The yes. way to win this game is to put Greg in a situation where if he says no, he's a racist sexist. <laughs> yeah, she's fucking Malala. She's just as bad as the Taliban. She, she's a young girl giving speeches at the UN. Now, she was shot in the face. Uh, real quick. Yeah. How much are we talking about, like, value? Like, what does she have in the bank? Um, I think, like, uh, at least a couple hundred. Respect? Okay. How about that? Okay. Dignity? So- She's no Jenner. Right. She's, she's no, no she's Jenner. no Jenner. I will Is say that, that. Do you have to buy your way onto this mountain? It listen, it, it doesn't bit. hurt. It doesn't hurt. But of course, I'm gonna put her right on the mountain. Uh I can't actually think of being more proud of somebody to have on one of these mountains right? ever. <laughs> than Kylie Jenner. <laughs> than Kylie Jenner doing it on her own, maybe having an app. I don't know. Ryan, what a tough act to follow. Oh no, I have somebody who is Equally. Could you imagine if you had to go on a show and Kylie Jenner had been on the show and then Malala had been on the show and then it was your turn? Well, oh, now, it's, now it's time for the musical guest. Okay. <laughs> Rage Against the Machine. The musical guest uh, is going no. to point out that uh, today is not – we're recording this on a God Saturday. God damn it. You son of a bitch. <laughs> How dare you? But How yesterday, you? yesterday happened to be God damn Friday. It. Yes. It's Friday. Yes. It's totally Friday. 
Uh, I don't know if you can hear that at home, listeners, but Ryan got the point. Oh, How right, right away? Right How what? more than Chloe Grace Moretz? How dare you take uh, this from me? How dare you take this from that me? That is probably one of the most important songs in the history. The Carly Rae Jepsen of our generation. Uh, how? Okay, now how dare you? I feel like that song does as much as Malala to to stress the importance of continued education. All right, and I would be surprised if someone told me that she was not a billionaire. Mm-hmm. Uh, you come up with a song like Friday, and I'm guessing it starts with a B when we're talking about your your money. For for about thirty five dollars, you can have her custom sing a song for you online. Wow, Malala, that's how you make that bill. <laughs> can you imagine? Yeah, I got Malala to sing you Happy Birthday. <laughs> she took time out of her day to do this. She was not cool about it, and cannot sing. No. Not one of her talents. You know what? Stick to the politics. All right? Mike. Yes. There's only one spot left on the mountain. Your first pick was an absolute flub. I know. And I, I okay, I want to, we have another show called the Superhero Hour Hour. And so I'm going to shout out to that. We all love to hate him, but you can't argue that he was born in 1997. Archie's KJ Appa. Oh, wow. Ooh. It is hard to argue that he was born in 97. Let's see him right to the maybe pile. <laughs> KJ Abba, the worst part of an increasingly disappointing show. You changed his name in the perfect way. It's now KJ Abba. KJ Go Abba. Go sit that six-pack, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All about them abs. Taylor, Yeah, this is a huge opening for you, buddy. This Hold is- on. I'm sorry. It's KJ? It's KJ. Isn't it? Yeah. And he's from Australia? Yeah. Is his name Kangaroo Jack Appa? <laughs> yeah, yes. Kangaroo Jack Appa. <laughs> Why do they <laughs> fucking love that movie? Why do you think... <laughs> Why do you think they have his parents think, conceived him to that movie? Yeah. What do you <laughs> What do you think Anthony Williams hangs around the set so much? That and uh, Young Einstein are really like the two <laughs> official movies of Australia. Taylor, I think it was to you. Oh yes, it's me now. Um, I'm gonna give someone who uh, was on arguably the most successful show uh, of our time one Maisie Williams from Game of Thrones who we saw grow all the way up and who some would argue was the actual star of the show. Yes. I don't like the term, damn, baby, you grew all the way up. Uh, yeah, uh, when you said that. that part about grew all the way up. <laughs> no, okay, I did not mean that. I mean, we just watched her at, when she was a small child okay. and then she grew up into an adult. No, there Still was don't like it, yeah. That there is was not way- how I meant it. That is not how I okay. meant it at all. There was way more stank on that and. As soon as you said it, I thought about how in the final season you like see her butt. Uh-huh. I have not seen the final season. Okay. I did not know that. Dude, in the final season, they sh- they it, co- it becomes clear she's going to take her clothes off. And it's like, oh, God. Yeah. They can't really do this. No. They can't really do no, this. No, don't do this. And I know that now she's like whatever age. Yeah, I don't, she's like 22, I don't actually 23. She is, but I was like. Like, my skin was fucking crawling, uh-huh. dude. I, they should not have done that. That was a bad thing they did. And I will never forgive them or you, Taylor, what? for making me just think Come about on. it. Uh, that's not even going on the Maybies. That's what? Not even, that's not even going on the Maisies. She is one of the most famous people on this list. Also, Maisie is short for mayonnaise. So, no. Get that shit out of <laughs> that here. Is, that is absolutely not true. You made that up. Ryan. Yes. This is. The door is wide open, buddy. Uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, somebody shot to stardom by borderline humping her equally hot boyfriend on the stage of the MTV Video Music Awards. God damn it. Uh, she's short. She's got a ton of hair. It's Camilla Cabello. That and is- I think that she is, if not an icon later, an icon now and in the past and in later. You you reversed the, the L sounds on those? But is it <laughs> Camilla Cabello? Yes. Sorry. <laughs> nope, I like Ryan's. Camilla oh. Cabello. Okay. Uh, Adele oh. Dezim is going to go right on the maybe pile. Yeah. 
The owner of the Cabela's franchise of uh, sporting goods stores. That's <laughs> that's not an inside <laughs> baseball reference, but I feel like for this podcast and its listenership, it probably is. Here's what we're going to do. Mike, I'm going to give you like a couple seconds to throw one out. Taylor, a couple seconds to throw another one out. And then I'm going to pick the, the grand champion and last member of the mountain. So, Mike. All right. Everybody knows we're very tapped into the international pulse. And John <laughs> Cook, the lead singer of the Bantang Boys... Led his band of boys what? to be the first K-pop group to break the Billboard 100. Is that BTS? Yep. Okay. No, it is not. That's a different band. <laughs> That's be- a different band. Because this band's called the Bangtang Boys. The Bangtang Boys. I, the, I do the, like that name. This is not even a K-pop group that I have heard of. Oh, and okay. I've listened to K-pop music. Well, we'll put him on the Maybe Mountain Taylor. It's to you, buddy. I'm going to say, okay, can I throw out two? <laughs> you can throw out one. How's that? How's that? All right, cool. That Compromise. Then, uh, then I'm going to throw out Lil Boat himself. Lil Yachty. <laughs> the rapper Lil Yachty, who famously did a duet with Carly Rae Jepsen when they remade It Takes Two to Make a Thing Go Right for the Target's franchise of uh, grocery stores. <laughs> Good argument. Uh, is that little L-I-D-D-L-E hyphen? It's, it's, yes. No, it's L-I-L. Yacht like the boat with a Y at the end. Also called Lil Boat. I am now looking over the maybes, and I'm making my selection. It will, of course, be Maisie Williams. Sorry about that whole thing where I freaked out. <laughs> of course. Uh, you know what? I believe in body positivity, and she's an adult woman now, and she can do whatever she's pressured into doing yeah. by the producers of, of a creepy show. And we also, watched that butt grow all the way up. <laughs> no, I don't like that phrase. <laughs> also, congrats to all of us for no one suggesting Jake Paul. Oh, yeah, no. That was, <laughs> that was not hard. <laughs> It was not hard at all. Ryan, tell us the mountain that we have made for ourselves. Your 97 babies are Kylie Jenner, Malala, Rebecca Black, and Maisie Williams. Well, I sure hope that we're cutting to the Friday music right now as we go into the end of this segment and the beginning of the next. Contact opened on July 11th, just one week after its movie of the year opponent, Men in Black. Despite both of the movies being big-budget, sci-fi, summer tentpoles, it was a bit of counter-programming on Warner Brothers' part to release it so close to Men in Black, as Contact reinvigorated a genre that had been basically dead since the late 70s, early 80s, the sci-fi movie strictly for adults. Contact tells the story of Dr. Ellie Arroway, played by Jodie Foster, who, ever since she was a young girl, dreamed of not just making long-distance calls, but making the longest distance, Florida. But can she call an even longer distance, like space or heaven or space heaven? Eventually, the aliens hear her call and send her some transport plans so she can fly to their home on Vega, give them one high five, and shoot back to Earth. Taste Buds, I ask you this. Does this feel more like a sci-fi movie that has an interest in philosophy or a philosophy movie with sci-fi painted on top? It feels like kind of like... Both? Come on, dude. You're on a podcast. Answer the question. I I I think it's more of a sci-fi movie that paints philosophy over it. And I say that because of Carl Sagan's, like, he has the story by credit on this. Like, Uh he wrote the original story. I feel like Carl Sagan has just thought so much about space and has so many ideas that this was his opportunity to look at like a standard sci-fi and say, okay, what are the actual implications beyond that? Like, this is not a documentary. Mm-hmm. I get to play with like what people's reactions to alien life would be. And I think that is the most interesting thing about this movie. And I read a little bit about the novel. I did not, I did not read the novel, no, but no. I read a little bit about it. Could and you imagine? <laughs> that's insane. Uh, there is a Dr. Arroway main character 
and a lot of the stuff that she thinks is in there. But mostly it's not a novel. Like, it is really just, like, they throw all these ideas and this character walks through them. Yeah. And adapting a novel is hard enough, right? Like, we talked a lot about it with Ellie Confidential. But with this, it seemed nearly impossible. And sometimes it does show in the movie, I think. Sometimes there are just points for, like, uh, let me just spout off about what I think real quick. Nearly impossible, or you get a big leg up, because all you have to do is keep that character and have some philosophical conversations, like, sprinkled throughout. It it feels more like a sci-fi book than most... Like, sci-fi, as a book genre, is pretty thoughtful and philosophical, and sci-fi movies tend to be fucking Starship Troopers. But I think that the problem is, is that... I think that all comes across, and I think that a lot of times, it's good. The problem is that when it's bad, it's bad. And yeah. I love Ellie Arroway. Like, I think Jodie Foster does a good job, and I like watching her journey. And then it's Palmer Joss, yes. the, who, like, yeah. is not a three-dimensional character. He is just dropped in as Faith Man, yeah. whenever the fuck the movie wants. Yeah. And, like, okay, I guess specifically what I'm getting at, my thrust behind this sci-fi versus philosophy question is, what, is it really believable that if we discovered alien life and we knew that there's a good chance it was real and we wanted to really go talk to them that people would be like so ardently like that we have to send somebody who believes in God to go talk to I, them. W- listen, as someone who grew up in a Baptist area, absolutely. There would be so many, like, I don't know if they would be to the level of like bombing the, the, the stuff to like yeah. shut it down, but there would absolutely be people who are sitting around grumbling like, well, these people going out to meet them, they, they don't know God. So, like, we need to send someone out and, like, have them talk to them. I okay. think it's realistic. I think that the problem right. is that the movie missed a step where it was doing its thing. And, like, we don't know who's going to go up. And then all of a sudden, we're just very concerned about God. And I think that would happen in real life. I think the movie cut out the part where we built into why people are so concerned. Yeah. Well, that's that. When you jump years, it feels like the movie's like they had that talk off screen, and as viewers were like, "Let's have that talk in front of us." I, I might like to hear this yeah. conversation that informs the basis of this movie, which is such typical adaptation because the person who wrote the script read the book a billion times, and so mm-hmm. some of the stuff is in their head, yeah. and they they like they lost control over what they're portraying and what they're not. Right. They're trying to split the difference, like show the difference between a Jake Busey religioso and a palmer joss religioso but we see it through foster's eyes and it's just like religion's kind of crazy i guess sometimes it's not i think the religion part works better as an ethics question of not should you believe in god but should you say whatever it takes to get into space like i think the way more interesting thing is how jodie foster was like yeah no I'm, i'm gonna be honest like no please stop asking me the question and then no and then uh tom scarrett's character doesn't believe in anything except yeah. for success, but he he knows what to say, and he's like, "Oh, fucking for sure, I high five God all the time." The, the thing a that thing, a thing no movie does that this does so interestingly is talk about the politics of being a scientist. Yes, it does it yeah, woven throughout, and it's fucking fascinating. I think a thing that it, this made me think of a lot was the book The Sparrow by I think Mary Russell. Where like Are thinking of Contact by Carl Sagan because it's actually based on that. Uh, no, yeah, I'm not thinking of that. But it's or it, the Goldfinch by Mary Sparrow. Nope, nope, none of those things. But in that book, or like, the berries from Mary's Berries. Yeah, hey, listen. Oh, you know, it is the berries. Mother's Day can't be that far away. Get your mom just a big crate of berries, right? Apparently, moms like that. Uh, moms but, love berries. But in that book, like a, a similar thing happens where like Earth picks up a transmission from another planet, but like everyone's like. 
well, what do we do with this? And before anyone else can do anything, the Jesuits are like, we're putting together a mission. We're going <laughs> to send these fuckers over there. And we're going to like, like, we need to be the first ones out there to explore and do all that stuff. And I feel like that is a similar drive in yeah. this movie, which is like, they're like, we need someone with like religious like feelings. And what's we the, need to be the ones. What's the idea there? Is it so that when they go talk to aliens, these people who are basically like worse than cavemen to these aliens are supposed to be like, Y'all heard about Jesus? He's this really cool dude. He's got an awesome dad. I honestly don't know. Like, I, I respect the movie for getting deeper into religion than most movies do. Uh-huh. But, like, there really is, they, they skip that gap of explaining why it's so important. And it feels like, well, we want to talk about religion, so then we have to make it, like, important in the plot. Because did anybody on this podcast besides me see Ad Astra? No. Not yet. Because Ad Astra managed to, is, is, is almost exactly like this movie, but it manages to be about faith without spending so much time literally being like faith and faithful people and people who believe in God, it's just obviously sort of an allegory to that. In this, I feel like the more they're talking about faith, the less interesting thing, the fewer interesting things they're saying about faith. Yeah, an ultimate message is almost like, believing is important, fuck off, don't think about it. Yeah, and that's, that's, isn't that kind of like a lame message at the end of the movie to be like, you know, you just gotta believe. Really, we did two hours and thirty minutes for you. Just gotta believe. It well, feels the, like I, the it feels like the movie is trying to ride that line in between like science, right? But also <laughs> religion. But like it sort of it sort of takes the the like stance that like but both are sort of the same. But like they're not. They're but, not the same. And then uh, politics is the third one. I think yeah. politics is the uh, most subtle of the three yeah. in the movie. Like the whole. Uh, We have 10 people who may go up there, but uh, the Americans have five because we paid the most, and it's definitely going to be one of the five Americans. And that that was so interesting when James Wood comes in, and he's like the director of national security, and he's like, you told everybody about this transmission. And she's like, yeah, well, the transmission doesn't belong to America. And he's like, yeah, but still, we would have liked you to only tell us. Right. Like, uh, like the aliens immediately just belong to America. And I don't think that there's the moon. We own space. (laughs) And it's waiting for our spacemen. I don't think that they're like treading the line in a cowardly way. I do think that's the entire yes. part of the movie. Like when the three pages come together, the alien script comes together and uh-huh. now it's three dimensional. Like it's supposed to be the point is you can't be extreme any of them. Right. Right. But but it does it feels like they tried like that's what they were going for. And in the end, our receiving of that message is well yeah, but like these things are different. You gotta you gotta pick a side. Like you gotta make a firmer stance on one of these or not talk about all of them as in like as solid terms as you do. Especially because like we see it almost feels like I, I get that it's saying don't be extreme either way, but we see Ellie change, but McConaughey kind of stays the same. So if he represents faith, she represents science and only she changes, it feels like the movie's trying to say something else. And their representative of faith was this uh incredibly nineties thing where it's like I'm a preacher, but I'm not your average preacher. Oh, like man. I just it also normal. Me think, it made I, me think of Fleabag too. It's like, hey, you know what? I I I do love God, but you know what I love too? Smashing that pussy. Puss. So I got you know what? I gotta get on my knees for more than just God, if you know what I'm talking about. I wanna see why you're called Fleabag. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> but yeah, there that, like that was so many shows that I watched in the nineties where uh one episode would be about like the hip new preacher. Yeah, you know, yes. who was like I skateboard and listen to hip hop. It's, it's fucking youth pastor culture. Mm-hmm. Yes. But yeah. also, we're talking about, this was like a kind of quaint notion in 97, right? Because aren't faith and science actually 
extremely oppositional positions at this point. Oh, yeah. Where, like, you can't actually have one, or it's getting harder and harder to have one or the other. In 1997, I was being told that, like, the dinosaurs were only allowed to exist because, uh, like, the Earth was covered in a water layer. The firmament. The firmament, which allowed them to have, like, a higher oxygen density. Creating hyperbaric-like chambers. And that any scientist that told you different was lying. And also... Why Methuselah lived to 900. Exactly. (laughs) Also in the 90s, it was all, all the dinosaurs Dinosaurs were skateboarding and saying, like, I'm not your average dinosaur, yeah, backwards like, hat. I love smashing that puss, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> dinosaurs were really horny in the 90s, you yeah, guys. Yeah, I've seen the land before time. <laughs> Believe me, things were pretty fucked up. When we come back, we are going to do a segment, Good News, It's Trivia. Bad news, if you're a pat- if, unless you're a Patreon listener, you don't get it. That would be awful if for some reason the Patreon listeners were kept from getting something. That would be wrong, and we would never do that. It's trivia for the Patreon-only listeners when we come back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Let's get ready to rumble! This is fascinating, Gene. I hated this movie more than any other movie on this show. (laughs) You should be ashamed of yourself. (laughs) Okay, well, in that case, uh, here's another star for your lapel. (laughs) That you should be ashamed of yourself is evergreen around these parts because we always are. It's, it's a part of that song, the opening of Tom Sawyer by Rush. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, you don't want to get too behind the scenes on the sound, Taylor. You just got to let right, the magic right, 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 wash right. over you and just experience it. Well, Flickchart is a website that will set any two movies off against each other. We've restricted it to 1997, but each of these movies has a dowdy champion. Uh, who will wear the standard of the movie into battle against his compatriots, where the only prize is glory, the glory of getting me to hit your name on the drop pad and get one point for the game. In our first matchup, Ryan, will you defend the Rainmaker against Mike's choice of chasing Amy? Ryan, go. John Grisham's The Rainmaker came out at a time where we all loved John Grisham because he was great. That's not the case anymore, but back then it totally was. Also, by the way, can I introduce you to the one, the only, Matt Damon, who was The Rainmaker and then uh, went and stole all of our hearts for the next 22 years. We would not have Matt Damon if it wasn't for The Rainmaker. You want to say it's Goodwill Hunting. You want to say it's Dogma because he was like in the beginning of Dogma. But no. It is the Rainmaker, and also Danny DeVito's in it, and Danny DeVito was not in Mike's movie. All right, you are out of time, Ryan. Mike, what is your rebuttal? Kevin Smith's Chasing Amy came out at a time where we just thought he could do poorly viewed uh, sophomoric comedies, and he went, no, you know what? Gay and bisexual people exist, and maybe we should deal with it, and as progressive as the late 90s could get, it doesn't stand the test of time now, but he was trying, and it was funny, and it also gave us one future king, Matt Damon, in a slick douchebag movie uh, executive studio guy. And he was brave enough. I want to be America's sweetheart, but will I still be a D-bag? Yes, I will. Because he's a consummate actor who knows he should work 
with up and coming greats like Kevin Smith. Now, uh, Mike, I do like the fact that you argued pointing out all the movie's faults as you win. That was a very brave technique, but Ryan. I'm going to give this one That's to crazy. Ryan. Mike, you're going to get another chance to avenge yourself here as you defend in and out a movie that I can only assume is about delicious burgers and potato fries versus Speed 2 Cruise Control. Uh-oh. Mike, you are on the clock. Apparently, I had a thing about 1997, and it was about sexuality and how confusing it is. <laughs> Kevin Klein starring an in and out in a small town as a teacher who some people around him know he's gay, and he finally admits it, and then the small town freaks out, but they all come together to support him because they realize he's such a good guy and such a good teacher. It doesn't matter who he wants to put his dick in. And then we all learned as America, we're like, it doesn't matter what friend says about homophobic jokes. It really doesn't matter who you want to put your dick in. And Kevin Klein's goddamn great, and everything he does is goddamn great. Uh, Taylor, how can you beat that? Uh, speaking of sexuality and how weird it is, Willem Dafoe, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> this man is... Oh, I a- thought you were going to bring him out. <laughs> Here he is! Here he is. Willem Dafoe, uh, did you think that after the first speed, you couldn't do it again? Wrong. They did it again. It's the exact same movie, but on a boat. And this time, Willem Dafoe is even more sexual. <laughs> also, they couldn't get one of the main actors on, but, <laughs> but, but Sandy's still here. It's Speed 2 Cruise Control, the best movie on a boat that's uh, ever happened in 1997. Man, what an audacious thing to do. You can't get like the main star of the movie but you really want to just use the same plot device, so you just go ahead and make a sequel. Well, that's got to go to Mike with Mike. In and Out. Oh, that's a, that's, don't pretend you didn't hear that at home. All right, Taylor, you will get a chance to oh. revenge yourself by defending George of the Jungle versus Ryan U-Turn. And Taylor, you are on the clock. All right, we all know the story of Tarzan, but what if we made it a little silly? That's where we've got our own Encino man himself, Mr. Brendan Fraser. He's in a tight fucking loincloth. He's got those abs that are ripped for days. And all of his best friends are animals, which is what you all wanted in 1997. You can't beat this. You simply can't beat this. Uh, U-Turn is finally a movie where Oliver Stone proves that he doesn't just have to, like, uh, pitch all of his political philosophies at us, but can actually make a good thriller. It's about Sean Penn, his car breaks down in a very weird town, and, uh, it is, uh, a thriller? There's intrigue? Do you guys not like intrigue? No, oh, no, and I love intrigue. Okay, good. There's yeah. intrigue. I like animals who are friends. And it also, sometimes people uh, say it's Selena. Sometimes people say it's In Living Color because of Fly Girl. But this is the movie that showed us exactly what Jennifer Lopez could do. Now, imagine. Uh, I'm going to have to say that one is going to go to Ryan. Ryan with U-Turn. Bringing up J-Lo, a very good move. It's J-Lo. Ryan, your next movie that you'll be defending is Howard Stern's Private Parts. Uh-oh. <laughs> Versus, Mike, you will have Volcano. Ryan, you are on the clock. At this point in our lives, we thought that Howard Stern was like this uh, sort of like nasty pirate who probably didn't wear deodorant and said weird things to old ladies. And this instead was an adaptation of his biography that showed him as like an actual person. It turns out that he's a pretty good actor if he's playing Howard Stern. And we got but to- isn't that a hard thing to do to play yourself? That's the hardest thing, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, and it it showed that like his life did have some speed bumps, and it showed all of the person behind the crass comments that, that there actually was a three dimensional person here. Uh, Mike, it's so weird that two movies humanizing shock jocks came out in the same year, and everybody has to choose one. And mine is Tommy Lee Jones's Volcano, and his take <laughs> on the L.A. version uh, of the Howard Stern character, and he's working his way through. He's he's just a little guy at Kevin and Bean, and then a volcano erupts, and he has to. Not only show us that he's a human underneath all the bad jokes, but also save people from a volcanoes. And that's hard because his face looks like a volcano. And how can Crag fight Crag? The only way is with Tommy Lee Jones. Dude, no matter who wins when Crag fights Crag, we lose. Mike. Except for Mike, I guess. He wins. Except for Mike. Yeah, Mike, Mike wins, wins when Crag fights that Crag. Um, Mike, Romy and Michelle's high school reunion versus Taylor. Here it is, Mouse Hunt, and Mike, you are on the clock. It is a goddamn travesty that Romy Michelle's high school reunion is not in the top eight Agreed. nor the Patreon show. It's insane. It's one of the best, funniest, weirdest comedies, and the fact that it's all those things and came out in 1997 when we didn't know what weird or funny was. <laughs> and Lisa Kudrow and Mia Savari are just allowed to be what they are, and all the fucking cameos. This movie is perfect. There's not a thing wrong with it, and there's no goddamn mouse hunting in it. Oh, dang. Taylor, you've been called out. How will you respond? Uh, it is a travesty that Mouse Hunt is not in the top eight. <laughs> it is a perfect, weird, funny movie. It's got everything. It's got Nathan Lane. It's got a mouse who eats string. It's got a mouse that <laughs> that kills the guy from Pulp Fiction who puts a watch up his ass. It's It's got body horror. It's got cuisine. It's got the whole thing and there's an old fucking house and nowhere in Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion does anyone hunt a mouse that very very hard to argue with that but okay. I guess Mike <laughs> that makes sense I guess Mike All right, that makes somehow sense. did it alright Ryan you have Donnie Brasco versus Mike's the full Monty Ryan you are on the clock Donnie Brasco gave us uh, a respite from Al Pacino's hoo-hawing. It had been about a decade where Al Pacino just hoo-hawed up and down Hollywood Boulevard saying, this is how you act now. Mm-hmm. And in this movie, we get him. He had that little that little stand he would, for $5, he would do a hoo-ha. Right. Yeah, and yeah he would sign the hoo-ha and you could take it <laughs> home and show your grandparents. Uh, this was him as like a quiet, meek opposite of um, Michael Corleone as like trying to be a bigger uh, gangster and then befriends guys Donnie Brasco, who's a cop? Fucking Al Pacino, what are you doing here? Mike, the full Monty, go! You go in expecting a wacky comedy of a bunch of middle-aged men learning to strip, and you find out what a horrifying tale of the death of the steel industry (laughs) in the UK. And you learn a little about yourself, and you learn... It's like when you go to see Thunder Down Under, and instead of them stripping and it's sexy, they just start telling you about their drug problems and daddy issues. Look, it's not what you expected, but goddamn does it deliver a human experience. Wait, do male strippers do that too? Oh, buddy, even more so. Because they think everybody wants to hear them talk. Well, very hard to go up against that argument. Mike, your next movie is I Know What You Did Last Summer versus Good Burger for Taylor. Mike, you are on the clock. Kelly, Kevin Williams was on a fucking hot streak after Scream. What do you do after like, redefining horror? Just make a really good slasher movie. Everything doesn't have to be goddamn con- commentary. You can just get like really talented, really attractive young actors and fucking kill them. And <laughs> it teaches a good lesson. 
All of them deserve to die because they were drunk, they hit a dude, and just decided to kill him. It's the only movie you can fully go and be like, no, all these characters should die, so I get to cheer every time one of them gets fucking fish-hooked. Taylor, respond. All right, you know who should cheer anytime they see a movie about things? Uh-huh. People who see Good Burger. All right. Uh-huh. Uh, two of the standout stars from the best sketch comedy show that has ever existed. All that. Keenan <laughs> and Kel. So much talk of orange soda. They are the they, they lay the groundwork for dodgeball. For um, any other number of uh, those types of movies. Uh-huh. <laughs> the dodgeball type movies. <laughs> the dodgeball the dodgeballs, if you will. Yeah, all right, very good. All right. <laughs> well, the battles are over. The ring is just absolutely covered with the corpses of defeated movies but you know what we stand triumphant because this podcast will always triumph when we come back another one of our questions it would be so wrong to not talk about the end of this movie 20 years later is the third act reveal of the aliens as controversially disappointing as it was in 97 I don't think so because uh, back then when I saw it as a kid, I was like, oh, I want to see aliens. And I mean, yeah. like, aliens. I'm on, like, eight arms and fangs and yeah. drool. And when that was not given to me, I was pissed. <laughs> this time, I sort of appreciated how uh, they set it up, right? Like, yeah. she just has a picture uh, when she's a kid of, like, what her space heaven will look like. And then the dad comes out, which makes sense that that's how the aliens would treat it. The problem is the ending of the ending where... The whole point was like, oh, no, like, just, just be cool, bro. And <laughs> then they sent her back, and that was it. <laughs> they basically, they're saying, like, just chill for a little bit. Like, we will, like, we'll make the next move, and it might not be for a really long time. Do you know what's fucked up? They chose David Morris because they're like, oh, you're dead dad. That'll comfort you. Don't come at me with my dead dad aliens. I will not be more on edge <laughs> than if a guy I haven't seen in 25 years is the one who walks out of those goddamn alien woods. Yeah, yeah let's like maybe not adhere so closely to the Morse code, yeah. right? The, the, yeah. the, oh. the aliens showed up and they were just like, hey, by the way, we have no respect for death. <laughs> just... Just going to throw that right at you. And I, Just going to hit you with that one. I get that it's overwhelming, and, and I, I do like the ending. I want to say that. But like for her not to be like, hey, give give me like some advanced technology. Can be like, what are you called? What's the society called? How can I – like? it's crazy she doesn't ask questions. I've seen enough Star Trek. So you go in, and you have three questions to ask those aliens. But oh, that's a good point. But are they going to give her any answers? Well, she specifically says, I have so many questions. And he's like, nope, yeah. not going to answer those. This is just the part. For whatever reason, the way they do it is you send one person, and then that person actually talks to the aliens for a very little bit. And then they send you the fuck back, and then probably watch. Everybody watches how you, like, the aliens mm-hmm. watch how you respond to that. And they sort of insinuated that, like, a hundred years ago, some fucking British chimney sweep also went in for like uh, a few less seconds than she did. Like, no, these are baby steps, and this is just how we handle it. This is how we've always been handling it. Uh-huh. So, like, a lot of humans have gone up there, and we just don't tell them shit, but we fucked their life up forever. And what is it that makes you say that some other human had already been there? It's just like, this is like this is how we do it. I'm sorry, but this is how we do it. Okay. And it, it, it just sort of seemed like uh, she is not the first person to get there. Oh, I thought when well, he said that, he was referring to, like, all the different alien species yeah, the that other species met up with before. No, I'm right. You, got, you three are wrong. Because I think you have to make the thing. Yeah. You have to make, you gotta the, make thing. the thing and, and traverse the tunnels that have been there since time immemorial. I was one of these people that was like 
very, I'm going to say perturbed by the ending when I was a kid. And I'm not sure exactly why now, because I don't think you could have a better meeting with the alien than this one. It's not just that the guy, the alien looks like her dad. Clearly from far away, the alien looks like a weird ass alien that she can't quite comprehend. Yeah, it's sort of like a glitchy, blurry, like predator and camouflage. Like her eyes literally can't understand what she's looking at. And so they're just showing her like a blur of a figure. And then it resolves into a person so she can actually talk to that person. And they use the only thing they have, which is like, her concepts to create that for her. Yeah. That's a, that's a solid idea for meeting with an alien, I think. Yeah, I, I like that aspect of it. And I think the m- more interesting thing that the movie does is it gives you just little teases of mm. what their like life is like. Like we see one image of like some massive, incomprehensibly large machine. And then like fast forward and she sees like, this very geometrically laid out city on like yeah. this planet, but like and a normal like, looking city, like yeah. lights and houses and shit. Yeah, yeah, right. And and like that stuff is way more interesting. Seeing just a glimpse of it yes. without overshowing your hand Damn. on yeah. what these aliens are supposed to be like. Which reminded me a lot of. Uh, I was talking about Close Encounters is like the last adult sci-fi movie, but it reminded me a lot of The Abyss. Maybe yeah. that was the one before it, where it's not about action, but like it. The whole ending reminded me of the ending of The Abyss. Yeah, uh, the. Okay, but let's move. That's like really the kind of like the climax of the movie, but it's what everybody calls the ending. But the end end, they're like one of the very last things that happens is she comes back and it's like she has to learn the value of faith, right? Because it's not clear that she actually even went anywhere. There's zero evidence that she actually went anywhere. And she's like, oh my God, you guys, I've learned faith. Like now I get it. I get the lesson. And then right before they let you get to credits, they're like, but hang on for a second. And then they're like, actually, though, there is proof that she was actually gone for eight yeah. hours. Did the Angela Bassett James Woods conversation ruin the point that of the movie? I think so. Were, that fucked yes. up the entire point of the movie. But did it because like, Jodie Foster doesn't know. So we see she grew as a character. It did feel, it felt like almost that there was a one season long, 24 episode version of Contact. And so we would care just as much about <laughs> Angela Bassett and James Woods' relationship <laughs> as the rest of the movie. We're like, oh shit. Uh, Chinese I, tonight, though. <laughs> I just I, I feel like they let that hang in the balance for so long, mm-hmm. and then there somebody at some point must have said, "We have to tell the audience that she definitely did go somewhere." Yeah. Which do you? You fucking showed no. it because like, it has the ending, like the ending ending of the ending is uh, pull back on the White House, and like that's just sort of how movies end. Roll credits, right? Yeah. Like we just we're gonna leave it, and that's a great ending. If you didn't answer every single one of our questions, yeah. you know, there's nothing really to think about except for the fact that Jodie Foster grew. Yeah, but she grew, but the whole point was, like, she needs to have, like, the point of the movie is tell the audience, you need to have faith in things outside of, like, what you, like, know. Uh-huh. But her faith is based on something that the movie says, no, this is real. Like, this is an actual real right. thing that you, that you should know It's about. not faith to her. Right. It's like this was a real thing that happened. It, like if it left that out, I think that the message would be more powerful. And yeah, especially because it opened up a weird door about James Woods' character, who seems to like know what Angela Bassett's about to say and be infuriated by it. Yeah. So did he <laughs> yeah, have contact with aliens? Right. Yeah, it just feels like he knows that she's going to bring up this thing that he knows about, but like she's not supposed to. It's, it's like rude for her to reference the fact that they both know that he's lying. Yeah, he's like, oh, I didn't think about that. And then a long tongue comes out of his mouth and catches a fly. <laughs> it's teasing okay, another, contact, too. Another aspect of the ending I want to talk about, the thing that made no impression on me the first time but made a big impression on me on this time, 
Jodie Foster has said it was very hard for her to film the uh, being in that little capsule because she was just in a blue room, a room with like all the walls painted blue and everything. What did you guys think of her performance as like, oh my God, I'm seeing all this crazy stuff? Look, <laughs> being, being... Your tone of voice says a lot <laughs> about what I need to know. Playing a character who is experiencing something that is unfathomable yeah. to humans yeah. and is overwhelming is very hard to do. Probably, yeah. And she definitely... I like do it break, all day every It's like breaking day. up in that way. She definitely tried. Yeah. But I, it's... It, it comes across as I am doing the most acting. I'm because doing the most, the absolute most. But before that, I do think the uh, I'm okay to go repetition. A la I agree. Yeah, Robin yes. Williams, you're okay. Uh, the way yeah. like it's her. She's like she's panicked. She's convincing herself. She's convincing them. Like this is all she's wanted her whole life. That amount of acting gave me so much goodwill towards the whatever happened afterwards. I agree with yeah, that. I do yeah, agree and with so that. when when she's stony eyed, looking, trying to describe what she's seen, yeah, I was just in because when we talked about the ending back then, we were like, "What the fuck? We didn't see aliens." Yeah, that's all we cared about. But before she gets to Vega, uh, from the time she drops to the time she gets there is like chair clenching, fucking incredible yes. movie making. Yeah, and the like the right. the floor being translucent, and then her face just being all over the oh, place, yes. and. Sometimes a ghost version of her pops up and says yep. sometimes stuff she's gonna say in a second. Sometimes it says stuff that she never ends up actually right. saying. Yeah, which at one really point, fucked me up. At one point, the face like separates from her and it's like I'm gonna kiss you. Like what the fuck? <laughs> what is going on? Tay in the wind. But no, and uh, that was all stuff that like the the graphics got a little chintzy. Yeah, like, uh, the the wormholes didn't look great all the time, but it was still like so. I don't know what the fuck is gonna happen. And I did like, I agree with Mike's thing of when she's saying I'm okay, that's her being like, you are probably going to die in a couple seconds, but just like try to soldier on because you can't give up. And then her, I'm just going to talk through this is clearly like, if I don't just narrate this, I'm probably going to absolutely For go sure. freaking yeah. insane. Yeah. Also, another thing from the end I liked is uh, she's like, don't put the chair in the bubble. And they're like, well, you need a chair to sit in. And she barely bails out of that chair before it like flies up into the ceiling and breaks. <laughs> you can hear, you can barely hear the chair say "fuck this shit," and then it just gets destroyed. If the aliens send you things, because the center of that sphere was completely still, they had designed it that way. If they send you schematics, don't change them. No. Why but would you ever change them? I feel this thing watching the movie, and I don't know about the book, but like uh, all sci-fi movies in this situation are based on other sci-fi movies. Yes, and for I feel sure. that like this real challenge of like I want to do something new. Yeah, I want to have the travel be different. I want to have the alien look different, and maybe it's too try hard some of the time. But like I, I really felt like th- like this was going to be its own experience of going to space. And the number, like the the thing right. it's really working against or its competition here is two thousand one, a space odyssey. Yeah. And it doesn't take the same, it doesn't make the same choice 2001 Space Odyssey made, which is this is going to be highly representational because like no one has any idea what's going on. This movie had a take, it made a choice. And instead of just bamboozling us with colors and lights and crazy images, it's, it, it put down its tent pole and it said like this, what's happening here is she's talking to aliens. This is what they're like. And that's brave, isn't it? Like to actually make those decisions. Yeah. I, and I think that's why I like, most of the ending is that it's actually it's taking a choice and it's very intentional in what it shows and what it doesn't show. Yeah, and I think that for the most part works. I can understand if you are upset by it, like on the first watch, because you're like, well, I want I want aliens, not some guy. But like saying like 
this is what meeting aliens would be like is is the a pretty tr- bold the truth choice. is the what the movie sets you up to want to get in that instance is impossible to deliver to the audience. You can't show the audience something that they can't possibly comprehend and then also have them be satisfied with the movie. Even you know? like a title that just says, you can't possibly yeah, comprehend like what's going on right now. It, it's part of like the uh, arrival thing where like they're like, ah, these are weird alien things. You're only going to see them behind a whole bunch of fog. Yeah. Like you're never going to see these things. We would have to dramatically change your brain for you to understand these things. Uh oh, that means it's time for our patented speed round, TM. The tagline on the con- contact poster is A message from deep space. Who will be the first to go? Question mark. A journey to the heart of the universe. Who wrote that? What does that mean? And can a tagline be that can a tagline be that long? Definitely too it's three, long. It's, it's three sentences. It sounds like Neil McCoy wrote that, that tagline. <laughs> it's either from three different posters that they combined, or it feels like they're like this is uh, translated from the Japanese poster. And like <laughs> we just have to deal with the <laughs> translation. A deep space message. Who will go? Let's find out. <laughs> Terrific fun. On the next episode of Contact. Terrific fun journey. Also, uh, it certainly gives up a lot of the game, doesn't it? (laughs) Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is basically a plot synopsis of the movie in a movie that unveils... Act one, act two, act three. The movie unveils itself very slowly. Do you guys remember that the... the like the teaser preview for this movie was just Jodie Foster with like the cans on listening to the 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 SETI telescopes and then suddenly she hears the sound of the aliens and that's like the first thing they ever showed about the movie. That's, that's awesome. a good way to get people to go see your freaking movie cool, for too. sure. Yeah. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Not to tell them the whole plot on the poster. No, don't and do a movie that. that attempts to be pretty reserved actually. Uh, what is the movie trying to say about the virtues of private versus the public sector when it comes to space exploration? We didn't really get into the John Hurt Locker thing here. Yeah, the there's a whole bunch of stuff where like the the government is setting up stuff, and he's just like a billionaire who's like, no, done a whole bunch of private stuff, <laughs> and and that's all gonna work. The government stuff not gonna work. Yeah, like he swoops in and he saves the day like multiple times when the government's trying to shut down because stuff. They built the government. Like, all the governments of the world, basically, together built this crazy Stargate. And then he, as a Bezos-like millionaire, built his own one, which they put in Japan. Yeah. Like, this is the guy that Elon Musk, like, grew up wanting to be. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. I've never... There's a cut scene of some English guy in a tuxedo behind him in space with a laser about to chop off his nuts. There's never been a more sympathetic take on Dr. Evil than fucking Dr. H. <laughs> yeah, we didn't see, like, the spaceship is in the shape of John Hurt's head. I also love how he has a lackey who puts him in the body bag the second that the news is talking about him. Yeah. yeah. It's like, all right, it's time to zip this shit up then. <laughs> we can put him away now. Everyone is aware that he's dead. It's interesting. Um, I've been reading a lot of cyberpunk recently, and this movie only does a few things that cyberpunk does, but having a rich person who lives in a satellite is That's very so... cyberpunk. I hope to do it one day. Yeah, dude, I, ho- I hope we all get to die in a satellite. Does this movie do an accurate or compelling job of depicting sexism in the workplace, or does it gleefully use it to its advantage without time for commentary or reflection? I, don't, I think there's the- such a good, towards the end, because Drummond has been in Ellie's way the whole fucking movie, and he says, the, like, the world is what we make it, or her response to him, he's like, yeah, this is the world. And she's like, the world is what we make it. For her to still be, like, cool, and I will always take the high road and do things right. Like, he, I was so gleeful when he died. I do think <laughs> in, in this year now, I bet this plotline bugged people in 97, and now it's fucking perfect and accurate. 
it's not like there's not a big Jodie Foster speech moment like we might get today, but like the camera clearly lingers on her reactions yeah. more than I think that we saw in movies before. He this. like literally interrupts her in almost every scene where they're both in. At one point, he just steps in front of her <laughs> while she's walking. He just steps right in front of her, like to intercept a conversation with somebody else. But then, yeah, the movie doesn't hang much of a lantern on it. And it just seems to be like it's her job to just overcome that without actually trying to change it. And there's also the point that she's too headstrong. That's why she's getting fucked. Mm -hmm. And then also that, like, uh, she's not understanding that her role is to boost other people up. Not as a female, but just as, like, a human. But, no, like, she's getting fucking screwed because she's a girl. Uh, is the mo- is the influence of Carl Sagan felt in this movie, and if so, in what ways? It's in, uh, I can feel it in this episode of. You feel like maybe yeah. this was a Sagan heavy episode. A, yeah, there was a lot of Sagan involved. Yeah, well, you know, right. yeah, he had something to do with it. Yeah, I I feel like the the amount of just like talk about like long range telescopes and satellites yeah. is definitely a very Sagan heavy thing. Yeah, and certainly the like, there's so many stars and so many of them have planets, and if only like one percent of those did there'd be millions of extraterrestrial life forms and at some point uh ellie and palmer joss which was his name from the book like that carl sagan made that name up they go out on a balcony during a party and they have this like faith space science back and forth and sometimes it's good sometimes it's interesting but like i don't know who carl sagan was until watching those scenes uh-huh. now i totally know what he's dealing with now you know that guy's whole deal how many contacts do you think were worn in this film Mm, Ryan. 20. Yeah, 20. Okay, very good. Give a point to Taylor, Taylor for that. I think because uh, of the 20. Isn't, gr- isn't it gross when the finger gets near the eye with contacts? Yes. How do people deal with it's that? It's the fucking worst. I don't understand why anybody could wear those. Just wear glasses. You What's know, worse than that is that, like, some people, I've always had incredible vision, so I don't know what these people are going don't through. Brag. But uh, it's disgusting. Some people will, like, their contacts will just shoot out of their head and fall on the ground. Yes. And then they will touch it and put it back in their eye. Uh, yeah. Nope. Uh uh-uh. uh. Absolutely or, not. Or put it in their mouth. Yeah, I'll clean it off that way. Yeah. Your spit is basically saline solution, but it's also like full of bacteria because your mouth is gross. It's grosser than a dog's mouth, as they say. And eyes are just like, hey, infection, come at me. Like, they're just <laughs> always ready <laughs> for it. I just want to be picked eyes, so bad. Eyes are just ears that can't hear. Well, that is, the end, of our, <laughs> that is the end of our speed round. I am going to tabulate the scores. When we come back, I will announce the winner, who will probably be Ryan. And then we will do the outro. See you soon. Well, I have finished using my abacus to tabulate the scores. Yeah, I have one. I know how it works. Um, You guys, I'm very impressed with the scores tonight. Taylor, you got 16 points. That seems even low for me. You gave a little bit up in trivia. Yeah. Uh, Some of your answers in trivia were a little bit nonsensical. Mike, you scored 24 points. Very good. The most that's ever been scored, I see. I think that is a high score, except for Ryan, who scored 30 points, riding that Carl Sagan right into the sky. <laughs> it was uh, like, you, you just you just said Carl Sagan, right? Like, that was how trivia works? That's how trivia works. You say Carl Sagan until it's time to say Frank Herbert. So, obviously, we know that Ryan is the champion, and he's everything that a contestant on this game show could possibly want to be. And he's got another week of great chores ahead of him. As, as best friend duties always imply. What about Contact? Is this a movie, specifically I want to ask, has the stock gone up or down in this movie? Is there like a out? 
Like, instead of going up or down, it just, like, comes at your face. It just comes straight out? I did, like, it was such a crazy watching experience uh-huh. that, like, I don't know how to place it. And this show, unlike most of the times we talk about movies, did not help me at all. Yeah. I don't know what to think about Contact. It's going to change week by week. I, th- I think next week I'm going to be way down on it. And the next week I'm gonna be like, this is the best movie I've ever seen ever, and I'll kill people. And is that because, Mike, you're going to be thinking about it a lot and mulling it or yes. something like that? Okay. I th- I- yeah, well... A movie brave enough to make Matthew McConaughey a writer. (laughs) (laughs) How could you save that for the non-pointed segment at the end? Oh, I I think this movie is the real, true wild card of the entire bracket. Uh It could lose to anything or it could beat anything. I (laughs) I think there's a few movies that it could definitely beat. For me personally, I think that there was a small dip in the stock. Now, let's remember, this is the 22nd seed. This is the lowest seed we've ever had on this show. And it is far from the worst movie we've had. I oh, mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. It is, like, I would say it's, it's above the median for, for how we've done. I do think there are movies it could take out, but I don't think it has, like, long-lasting staying power. Is it far above because uh, it's just so great or because it didn't do all of those offensive, unwoke things that pushed other movies that we've watched down? I guess because it, it's not the same old bullshit that is true this movie has its own bullshit and there's things that i think really drag it down but they're not the same bullshit as every other movie we watch some movies and it's just like what like what did you even do that was different or noteworthy why'd you even make that shit dude why did you make rain man well why fucking bored one day why did somebody make green book just to get oscars and accolades because somebody made rain man like those two (laughs) movies are directly attached those are very very related movies uh, but even with its stock slightly dipping, I, I'm really glad we did a show about it. I don't. I think again, I don't. We don't have a ton of clarity based on the movie. Like I don't know yeah. if it's done much. Like talking about it, I don't know if it's done much to let us know how it's going to do. Who knows? I I am thinking though, uh, early round exit. I, I think so, but I'm very glad that it wasn't the Fifth Element or Starship Troopers. Yeah, some of these other like '97 sci-fi's and movies that it actively edged out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think that there was like more to talk about, and it was so much weirder yeah. than those two movies. Uh, a lot of early CGI in this movie, and that yep. was interesting. It's the time of CGI where you just had to like not really show it; you had to be far away from it. The last 20 minutes, like Jodie Foster and David Morse's heads were not their heads, right? Like they just like threw <laughs> right. CGI on them. Yeah. They just did a little, just did a little CGI on them. Well, Ryan, as and there's parts of Doctor Strange and Guardians of the Galaxy that would not exist without this movie. Oh yeah, that's very true. And yeah, it is like definitely connective tissue between like an old style of sci-fi movie, as we pointed out, like the '70s sci-fi movie for adult, and movies that exist now. And like it is definitely a bridge between different eras of sci-fi for sure. Well, that is all we have to say about Contact. Ryan, if I'm not mistaken, you would like us to now exit the room so you can just have it for yourself? I would love for you guys to get the fuck out of here. All right. And now I get to look into the green room and uh, see who's there. And I would like to, to tell us about a couple of websites, I would love to, ladies and gentlemen, present to you uh, Gritty the mascot from the Philadelphia Flyers. <laughs> What's up, Ryan? Good to see another ginger in power. Yeah, it's me and you, bud, running the world. You and me throwing batteries at Santa all day, all day. Now, is that just a Christmas thing, or will you go and find other Santas to do this? No, anytime I see a white-bearded motherfucker, I throw a battery. David Letterman, how you looking? You're getting a battery on your head. All right, let's ask you the uh, obvious questions. I'm... Um, 
Wiz or Wawa? Wawa. Wawa. And how do you say water? Coffee. Is that is that Wawa? Wawa. Okay, so is every answer Wawa? Baby Thurston, need to get a Wawa from the Wawa. Uh, Gritty, what does your genitalia look like? Oh, you don't want to know. Imagine two boulders. Uh huh. And now imagine just smashing a goose with those two boulders. <laughs> kind of something like that. That that is what your genitalia looks like. How? Yeah, they put it in a corkscrew. How does the goose look still? Oh, healthy. I think that every great <laughs> interview question ends with the word still. Uh, how are you at hockey games still? I'm great. You play hockey. I would be able to kill all the flies. They just know I'm too powerful, so they say I can't play. Uh, Gritty, do you have websites to talk to us about? Uh, oh, is that what? Oh, yeah. Uh, go to thephillyflyers.com slash gritty, and then you'll get to see all my appearances for the next two years. <laughs> wait, wait, we see into the future? Well, I mean, it's a schedule. It's just a fucking calendar. Oh, it's not Ryan. video of like what you're doing over the next two years. No, I mean, I think this is a basic concept of websites that have scheduled events. All right, I'm not going to stand here and take shit from Gritty. <laughs> I refuse to be called an idiot by a guy who... Oh, heard that before. A- any other websites? I love how you I did guess. the thing where, like, you plugged your own thing first. That's the first time that any guest of ours has ever done that. I know you cut people off. Rivers Cuomo called me. He's like, hey, <laughs> say your thing first because that guy Ryan will cut you right off. Rivers Cuomo pop- called you. Do you guys? Yeah, we have weekly phone chats. He's my best friend. <laughs> Are all of his songs? Is Pinkerton just about you? Yeah, that's what my butthole looks like. <laughs> your butthole looks like how Pinkerton is about you. Yeah, your butthole.com. Read all about <laughs> Gritty's butthole. Okay, and then uh, is there a way to like uh, financially support us? Yeah, probably your slash Amazon. Buy stuff there. Buy all kinds of gritty merchandise at ripoutfilter.com, Amazon. The shirts, the goo-goo goggles, the diapers, the knee pads, your Halloween costumes. Gritty, did you just listen to a Bill Cosby comedy album? (laughs) (laughs) And my little brother would always steal the blankets. All right, Gritty, get the fuck off the stage, please. Walk, 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 walk. Here to tell us about our other shows is, of course... Sharna Balarna, who is the head of Jody Foster's Children, the most famous orphanage in Des Moines. Hey, what's going on? I'm Sharna Balarna. Hey, Sharna Balarna. Hey, what's the house going? <laughs> wow. Uh, what is your job like? Oh, you know, I just hang out with some people, uh, talk to them a little bit, you know? Uh-huh. That's it. That's all. Oh, I do, that's man. it. That's all you yeah, do. Yeah, it's a very simple job. I, I get just paid, call it a day. Yeah, I get paid like twelve million dollars a month. It's very easy. I don't know why other people don't just do this job. Twelve million dollars a month. Um, where are you from? I'm from like uh, Upper New York. <laughs> I could tell. Um, where uh, do you have a stamp that you stamp things like on files? I feel like that's the, like the big job of an orphanage. Oh uh, well, yeah, I've got a top secret because I have top secret clearance. So you'll just <laughs> declare some orphans top secret. Yeah, like someone, if they got the mutant powers, or right. like if they got real blue eyes, I just stamp it right there, top secret. No, how, these are off limits. How often do you have kids with mutant powers? Oh, uh, I've only had like uh, two, three million. Okay, that's a lot. Uh, do you know of Pop Filter's other podcast besides Movie of the Year? Oh, um, I'm familiar with the OCD. It's my favorite podcast. It is. Yeah. Some people hate that show. No, I can't understand why. It's you, a uh, couple guys that are talking about the, the show OC, which is very far from where I'm from, which is up in New York. Uh-huh. We, you <laughs> made that clear. 
Yeah, I love that show, and uh, I don't know, there's probably like a superhero hour hour show, mm-hmm. which is a thing that I like, but it seems just, uh, I don't think they talk about too far away from reality. Right, and the host of that show is eh, not great. Oh yeah, he's a piece of shit. Just a real garbage person. You know, he was also an orphan. Don't you love him because of that? No, I fucking hate these orphans. Are you kidding me? <laughs> is that how you got the job? Yeah, I, well, I went in for an interview. I thought it was going to be for the New York Public Library. Uh-huh. And they were like, hey, do you like orphans? I was like, no, I fucking hate them. And they're like, all right, you got a job. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the show. Ah, thank you. I'll see you guys later. Get the fuck out of here. Here to tell us about how to reach us on social media is the Vega Alien before he turned into David Morris. Well, hello, it's me, the Vega Alien. Before... He turned into David Morris. Uh, I appreciate you clarifying I, that. That was important. Probably I look very weird to you. You can't quite understand what I look like or what I'm doing. But it is strange, and you're blurry right I'm now. A bl- Listen, I'm a blurry guy. You know why? It's because I'm very explicit. Is that insulting to you, to call you blurry? Well, you know what? I'm used to it. Uh, actually, Can I touch your hair? Please never offer to touch a blurry person's hair. That's something you have to know right off the bat. You don't, you don't do that. But yes, I, I'm an alien. Of course, I think of myself as just normal, and you look uh, uh, horrible to me. But no, come on, we're handsome as shit. No, and the thing is, I can see you in such great detail, and that's really—it's not doing much for me. Is it know, too much detail? I mean. It's a little bit too much detail. I Watch was... this. Wait for this, Taylor. Get back out here. Uh, hey, what's going on? Well, now here's a handsome man. Alien, look at that, Taylor. Wow, this is this is amazing. Oh, thank you, man. He's got looks and personality, uh, you know I can what? tell. You, also looking great. Thank you. I, I, uh, I am a little blurry, I understand. Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, I like that in a person. <laughs> That's pretty good. It's, you know, I, I do what I can. Do you yeah. wish that we were blurrier? Of course, yes. You look like monsters to me. If we were, like, about to attack you, what would you do? Like, what is your defense? Uh, I have uh, laser rays. Oh, shit. And I can emit the smell of a delicious pasta. As a defense. As a defense. Because a lot of times, if you suddenly smell delicious pasta, you begin to look for the pasta. Which fucks up humans, because when we smell pasta, we know that we're family. And you're saying, yeah. no, we're arch enemies. Yeah, hospitaliano no more. <laughs> right? Uh, blurry Alien, tell us about social media. Uh, well, on my planet, we have something called Twitter.com. You've probably never heard of this, but it's a website where people can be racist or retweet the racist comments of others and then dunk on them, is what we call it. Uh, but if you go to at yourpopfilter.com, you can see uh, neither types of those contents. And then uh, also the Instagram at Your Pop Filter. You can see blurry pictures of me and my blurry friends. <laughs> oh, I love those pictures. Yeah. Those are the best. They're perfectly in focus. You won't know that. Did you put are. Sasquatches on this planet? Uh, I put a Sasquatch on this planet. Oh, shit. Some of them come from somewhere else, and that's all I'll say about that. That's a mystery. That's a mystery. I put There is one Sasquatch somewhere, and I am the one who put it there. And then since then, there have been several more Sasquatches. But I had nothing to do with that. Thank you so much, Blurry Alien, for contact. Uh, get off the stage. And finally, blur, 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 to blur. tell us about how to contact us is Galactus and his two new heralds, Starf and Dwarf. <laughs> hey, it's me, Dwarf. I'll go first. Hey, I'm, a, I'm also Starf. <laughs> That's money. Here comes Galactus. You guys, check it out. Uh, we're heralding him. Like Here crazy. he is. Gets Galactus. Galactus time. Thank you for introducing me, Starf and Glarf, my most treasured of heralds. Wait, uh, like these are your most treasured, or you're just out of heralds, and this is all you've got? Look, 
Sometimes you get some heralds, sometimes you get some mods. You don't always get to choose. That's what I always say. <laughs> Galactus, buddy, you're, you're cracking us up. You're too funny. <laughs> do you, Thank you, Snarf. Do you guys think Hero, uh, Galactus more. is funny? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And he's got his areas of, co- of comedy that work for him. Yeah. Explain to Ryan what, what areas of comedy you think I do excel out, Dwarf. Uh, great jokes about killing one half of people. No, I kill all the people. That's the other purple guy. I told you never to mention your former employer around me. <laughs> oh, Dwarf, you have to update your CV. Sorry. I'll go do that right now. Oh, <laughs> fuck. Do I have to go too? That fucking half-assed Thanos motherfucker. Do you guys get He'll benefits? Do you guys get, like, uh, company parties? Oh, I'm on the... Uh, we're on the silver plan. <laughs> My copay is very high, but you know what? That's okay. They give me all the silver they can find. I'd say a good benefit is, I don't know, tapping into the power cosmic. Maybe that's a goddamn benefit for you. Yeah, I use it to uh, pick up on chicks. Uh, They explode instantaneously as soon as I try and use it. And that's what you're trying to do. Yeah, a little bit. Galactus, are you lonely? Like, they're hooking up with girls all the time. I'm so lonely. I send them out. They're my heralds. They herald me at the clubs to get me in and try to bring the chicks my way. But they never knew that part of the job. They always just used the part of the power cosmic I gave them to get their own chicks, and then they explode them. I would not explode the ladies unless it was and bad. Oh, <laughs> you guys like that Galactus comedy? <laughs> Another great one, Galactus. Very funny. Really crushing it, buddy. Uh, Storf, do we, uh, Pop Filter has an email. Do you know what that is? Oh, yeah, I definitely know. It's contact at yourpopfilter.com. Go there. Send emails. It's a great time. And Dwarf, you have a, we have a phone number? Good for you. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> 1562, Dr. DJ Pop. Congratulations. Good for you. I love the how you guys are from space but still have like that Brooklyn attitude that you're throwing at me all <laughs> the time. You know what? This, we're original Marvel creations. Listen, listen. The last That's- guy, he was a surfer. Did not like that. He was all West Coast. We're East Coast only, baby. <laughs> yeah, they're they're more under the Terax kind of herald than the Silver Surfer kind of herald. Ryan, can I have a sidebar with you? Sure. Galactus, what's okay. up? Did I get a couple of yes men as Harold? I, th- I think so, yes. You most certainly did, and he did a great job. <laughs> there, there's sometimes I think I say not funny jokes, and they just really laugh, and then <laughs> bang the girls I'm trying to bang right in front of you me. You are so right, my friend. You are so right. You know what's cool is Harold is both the coolest name, like the coolest job title you can have, and also the nerdiest name you can have. So go find some Harold. I named them after my dad. Okay, your dad's name is Harold. Galactic cool. success name is Harold. <laughs> Harold P. Galactus. <laughs> Attorney at law. Uh, guys, please, even though you're giant and on fire and have the power of cosmic, I would like you all to leave the stage. Greg! I'm back! Oh, uh, God, dude. Ryan, I just passed two people who were giant uh-huh. on fire, and I'm pretty sure I had the power cosmic. That's scary shit, right? But one of them, when he found out I had a phone number, just went crazy. <laughs> well, guys, that is it for our show on Contact. Next week, we are doing a movie, am I reading this right, called Princess Mononoke? Yes. Princess Mononoke. Somebody's about to become our fourth multiple director, and I think it will go well for him. So do I. I'm very excited. This is a Studio Ghibli joint, right? Very excited to talk about that. Tune in when we do that. But until then, keep watching the Greg, watch out for that hole. Oh, <laughs>